Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom, where we talk all things that make us most uncomfortable. From abuse to addiction and trauma to recovery, nothing is off limits. My guests and I will expose the parts of ourselves that hold the most pain and share the freedom that is possible. This is real life. Okay, so thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jen. I'm ridiculously excited (laughs) because I adore you. I think we're a lot of the same. We're kind of, we don't, there's no BS here. Like, I think, I think it's because we've been through enough shit that Mm -hmm. like we don't have time for the BS. No time. What? At least not anymore. Not not anymore. We were just Mm -hmm. talking about it. You Mm -hmm. reach, you reach a point in your own maturity and you're like, F that. Mm -hmm. F that. Or are we swearing on here? Oh, absolutely. We could say, I, you could say, fuck that. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. No, <laughs> just kidding. Fuck you. Just kidding. Uh, yes. Not really. Okay. So back to business. So this is Emily and Emily is a hey. mom of two girls. The kid, um, Naomi is how old? She's nine. And th- when's her birthday? September. Okay, Addie. It's going by so fast. I know. Addie will be nine next month. And then um, Lila. Lila. How old? She turns seven next week. Holy cow. My baby. My blue-eyed babes. Oh, they're so sweet. They are. And you've been married to your husband for how long? It was 10 years last June. Okay, 10 years. Yeah, it was the big one zero. It was... Yeah. It's good now, but it hasn't always been so good. Good Lord. As we all know. I feel like marriage... That's all you got to say. Marriage. Marriage. Okay. Well, there's that. All right. So let's go to how I met you. So I want to know your, when you met, like what, you know how like our, when you met me. I haven't even thought about that. I know. It's a surprise question. And I just have to give you a little disclaimer. I have the worst brain memory. Like I just feel like sometimes. Okay. Your first memory of me. Do you have one? (laughs) I don't even know if I do. You know, actually I do. I remember, so I park in the pickup line for school and I get there really- Oh, this was before pickup. Really early. I met you at church. What? When you were doing mops. Stop. Oh my God. That's when I met you? Uh, Well, I remember- but we weren't like chit chatty. Like, no, it was just but like, like that's when Jen, I like met Emily, you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. Go, I don't remember that. Go pick See? up, go pick, you go, you go pick up line. I used and then... to always watch you. You'd walk oh. in and oh, there dear. was this beautiful blonde and you know, you'd walk in and you'd get your kids and you walk out and I, I watch people. That's oh. like, I'm really curious about people. I watch their, people. Have you, have you um, read a woman in the window? No. She watches people. Ooh, I might like that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. But I do. And then finally, you know, I would get out from time to time and, you know, chit chat and not be so um, introverted mm-hmm. and shy mm-hmm. or scared. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then we talked. Okay. And, and, and instantly it was like, oh my gosh, hey, I, I get her. She gets me. We could be friends. Yeah. There's like this. But wait, I want to like know, your, I wanna know your pickup. I want to know your, your pickup story. Like you're in the pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just said that. Of the carpool lane? Yes. <laughs> of the school? Of the school. Like you were Maybe in the I'm pickup. Maybe I'm sitting there picking up. Hey. <laughs> you know, all the, all the pickup lines that you give. Okay. No, no. In the pickup line at school, oh, you get there early. I do. Because. Really? Because why? 
Well, my daughter, Naomi, my oldest, she's nine. Um, she has just a lot of like, oh my gosh, mom, are you going to be there? Mom, are you can drop me off at the right mm-hmm. time. Mom, am I going to see you when I walk out? And she was in first grade. Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, you do your mom duties, you know? And so. So you're always the first in the line. Pretty much. Okay. It still happens too, but now I'm just up top. I'm I, the top saw, I see you up there. But you know, it gives me time for me. Like I, I read a book. I do crossword puzzles. It's I listen true. You to know Dr. What? Laura. Oh. Yeah. We don't need to go into that. Wait, Dr. Laura, she needs a younger person to like balance her. I have a good idea. Okay. How about you? I would love it. <laughs> you I, should I, apply. Oh, right. My, it's, I don't think there's a position. You should call in. Okay. Oh, oh. You should call in. Okay. Wait, I'm, we might I'm have kinda, to do that on I'm one of these. I'm kind of scared of her. I'm kind of scared of too. Dr. Laura. Uh, I'm not kind of. I am. Yeah. She makes you feel about this fucking big. I know. Okay. But she did say she only has a few seconds, so she needs to change someone, someone's life in those seconds. And, and now I understand you, it. You have to be an asshole if you want to change someone's life in 10 seconds. Well, I don't know. Okay. Oh, That's going to be my excuse when I'm an asshole. Like, I'm just trying to change your life in seven seconds. <laughs> Quote Dr. Laura. Doctor, hashtag. Hashtag. Wait. Okay. Wait. Hold on. So you would see me in the pickup line. Yeah. And I didn't really know you or oh. Addie or I was, I didn't know you're involved with, you know, Girl Scouts and stuff like that. And I didn't know I was involved in that either. Well, yeah. It just happened. <laughs> this is what happens. It hasn't happened to me yet. Come on in. You're like, <laughs> dang it. By the way, do you want Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> nope. I already ate five boxes. Dang it. Because I have Sorry. like a hundred boxes in my garage. Everybody <laughs> my that I see, like everybody that I see, you want some Girl Scout oh, cookies? so good. Because it's not, it's not Addison selling it. It's me. Because guess who has to pay the thing if they're not sold? Me. Really? And guess who drives them around and drops them off? Me. Text. It's really mom uh, scouts, not girl scouts. Hence why I'm not in girl scouts. Okay. Okay. Can't do it. We digress. Wait, I want to hear when you met me. Okay. So you're just saying like, you don't have like a memory. Like you're just saying, I mean, I remember I, I would come sit in your- Honest. I would, no, no. I'm saying like in the pickup line, I would just come sit oh, in your car with you. I know. <laughs> and and then we connected and then we drove to the aquarium together. Oh, yeah. I loved that day. So fun. That was, it was a like good the, chat. It was the only, I've actually only been on two field trips. With <laughs> and Addison. that was one of them. And that was one. Cool. But I could bring Bennett. That's why I did oh, it. Benny, I'm not going to leave Benny. him at home. No. Hail to the no. I no, and you want to go see fishies. I love the aquarium. Me too. We should go by ourselves. I would love that. I, <laughs> oh, I that love it. That would be it. so fun. Um, okay. So my first memory was you, were you in leadership at Mops? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I had just come into Mops and it was a really hard time for me because I had a huge gap between Addie and Bennett. So I started Mops when I was still pregnant with him Whoa. because she was already in, she was what? In kin? No, she was in, she was like, she was going she to on a lease. Like, yeah. Oh, so she, she had, pre- she was in preschool. Right. So she was in preschool and I'm pregnant. So it's like, and I'm staying home. It's the first time in my life I've mm. ever stayed home. Right. Really? I, I worked with Ad. I worked the whole pregnancy with her. I worked the whole, everything. I went back to work when she was six months old, the whole thing. Cause I was a teacher. And so I stopped cause I miscarried in between them. And I know it was stress related mm-hmm. and that's a whole nother yeah. show. But, um, then when I finally got pre- pregnant with Bennett, it was at the end of a year, a school year. And I told Jeremy, like, I can't go back. No. Like if I go back, I'm going to, I'm, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose to this teaching? baby. Yeah. <clears throat> And so I stayed home and he wasn't due until December. So I had September, October, November. So what am I going to do? I guess I'll go to Mops. Let's go have some brunch. <laughs> what was really scary, I didn't know anybody because I had I just moved from Laguna Beach, like over the hill. Really? It seemed like 
I, I oh, I knew it. nobody. Whoa. And I was so scared because I have like crazy anxiety. So I'm like oh walking in. I don't know anybody. And it ended up being like the best thing I could have done it for myself. Great. It was amazing. But no, we were at somebody's house and um, we were at Katie's house for a planning meeting. And we were talking about, do you remember this? No. Oh, and we were talking about doing tea and testimony. Oh, were yeah. You there? Were you there when I gave my testimony? Ye- or was it the next year? I think I was. Because I remember you saying, like you, yeah. you acted like you, you made me feel very comfortable. I Wait, thought you, I, I'm briefly. It's coming back to me. We're I sitting in this room and your testimony, and you're like, <clears throat> I mean, you have this energy about you. I know you don't know this, and you don't think this, but you do. <laughs> and so, for you to like, you knew my name, and I was like, oh my gosh, like she knows my name. Like it just okay, felt really I good. Do, I do remember this, but you went right into leadership, didn't you? Or no? Were you just a a person at a table? I think I was a person at a table okay. for a while. Okay, but you did go into leadership. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. But I do. this was like right away, like my first, I, I think know. it was my first leadership meeting. Wait, why was I there if it was leadership? Maybe I was a leader. Well, and we'll probably talk about this later. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the show, but the reason why I probably don't remember all of that stuff. <laughs> oh, really? At it, that point? Okay, hold on. Is because I, yeah. So we're talking about addiction today, actually. Let's yes. just throw that out there. It's not like a surprise. <laughs> Um, but we're talking about addiction and recovery. So I guess mm-hmm. we can start in with that. So you were at that point, you had both your daughters uh-huh. right back when we met. So you had both yeah. your kids were you, and you were living in Aliso uh-huh. and you were just getting drunk a lot. Well, how does this, no. how, how do we do this? Okay. So, you know, it's interesting with substance abuse because it's never just something that, oh, Hey, I'm just going to decide to start at 40 really for me, at least for me, it wasn't. Some people, maybe if there's a traumatic event or whatever. Um, but for me, it was many, 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 many years ago, like oh, almost 20 years ago. That you started with substance abuse? I did. Oh, well, let's start yeah. there then. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. Okay. So, okay. Let's do it like this. Let's do chronologically. So yeah. you grew up, you're one of how many? Um, I'm one of four. So I'm number three and I have wonderful, loving parents and we can't, I came from an extremely religious background. Okay. Well, that'll really mess with you, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder. And, um, yeah. And it, it was just, I was just that kid that was curious and wandering and wanted to try everything and was really emotional. Um, Wait. And so you probably couldn't try everything. No. Because there you were was a part a lot of, of this. A lot of limits. Yeah. Okay. There was a lot of expectations. And I remember there were times where I would swear into my pillow when I was a little kid because I just wanted to know what it felt like to swear, like to hear those words come out of my mouth. Yeah. And I would buy those puff cigarettes from the ice cream man, oh, yeah. you know, where you pretend you're smoking <laughs> and like the smoke puff is coming out. Oh, was that cool? Okay. So, because you couldn't do it. So it made you want to do it. It was like. Yeah, for me, for my personality, yeah. that's just how I am. I've yeah. always been that way. What about your other brothers and sisters? Um, no, my oldest sister, she was very, very bright, very smart, um, talented. My brother, he was like a amazing athlete. But so they weren't buying the cigarettes from the ice cream. Man. No. They were buying and like my drumsticks. Little, yeah. Yeah they, yeah. they were buying ice cream. And my little brother, he's just great. I mean, there, there wasn't, right. I just felt really out of place. I just, I, I felt like you I was always, in the wrong family. I, st- always, I kind of still do. No way. Yeah. I kind of feel like I was plopped into this weird, like twilight zone family and it just wasn't mine. From the very beginning, from your very beginning. Young, like, like eight, nine. Wow. Yeah. I and felt then, like that in my family. Too. Really? See, <laughs> yes. I told you we're like kindred spirits. Like, is anyone else seeing this? Yeah. Because no, no. this is fucking crazy and everybody's pretending that there's not crazy. Still happening. 
yeah. in my life. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. My family. Okay. Perfect. Still crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you yeah. work from this very religious, like, yeah. uh, um, like a lot of like limits and boundaries and don't say this and don't do this and a lot of rules. Correct. And so you're like, screw this. I'm and my parents were like gung ho. Let's do it full in, both feet in. The whole family was in. My dad held high positions in the church. My mom was a well-respected woman. Um, you know, I mean, she would, she's such an amazing woman. She'd literally give her shirt off her back, mm. do anything for you. Um, wait, did you ever like embarrass them <clears throat> because they're so like, when did you start to misbehave? Yeah. Well, oh. um, my dad held a really high calling in the church okay. and, um, I was 15 and he sat us all down one day and he said, he's, he's going to be excommunicated from the church. And here as a 15 year old girl growing up, you think, oh my gosh, this is my dad. He's everything. You put him on this amazing pedestal and you know, you, you, were, you were 15, I was 15. And I mean, my my, my entire world like flashed before my eyes and my mom's sitting there crying and I have so many thoughts in my head. And she says she, she got down on her knees and the Lord told her to stay with my dad. So I'm like waiting for the ball to drop the other shoe. Like, so what happened? Right. Hello. Wait, I need more details. This is right. who I am. How do you get right? This is my identity. I'm inquisitive. You know, I well, need and to know. also like you're a daughter of very respected people in this church and, and the community, the community, and now all of a sudden you're being excommunicated. Like, does that mean you're excommunicated? No. So, I mean, um, what does it, that mean? You can't go back? No. His his membership in the church was revoked. So he is just a normal person sitting on a pew with us in the church. Okay. He's not on the stage. He's not having another. Ooh, he call. got to go yeah, on the stage. He he. Yeah, he got no to more, talk no in more. the mic. Ooh. But he is now just sitting with us on the pew. And so hold on, but so but so you st- you guys went back to that church. Well, let's go back to that meeting okay. there. You know, my brother. <laughs> Keep me on track. Yeah, my brother was like, "Hey, Dad, I'll do whatever you need. We love you." And my little brother was kind of young; he didn't really understand. And I was like, "Peace, I'm out." And I I was just done. Like oh. they weren't giving me any details. I couldn't process it at the time. There was all these lack of trust, abandonment. You know, all of this shady stuff that was going through my brain. Like, oh my gosh, you know, my secure bubble is gone. So well, and you are assuming that he's done something inappropriate for him to be excommunicated. He has to have right. So then you're like, and there's only a few things. Okay, we still don't know. Interesting. Well, yeah. what I'm saying is like to think of your right. So to think of your dad as like this very pure, kind, general, whatever. And I don't know what the issue was, yeah, but I don't like, either. and then all of a sudden for it to be like, and we're out. Like that means you're like, wait, dude, right? You're actually not this guy. Then. Correct. Wow, mind blown. I would, yeah. And then, so you were like, I'm out because I'm not. And because of my character and like who I am, that was really damaging for me. Like an extremely detrimental, like pivotal moment in my life. That's one of those moments where it's like the line in the sand. You don't go back. There is no Emily that used to be. It's the new Emily now. Oh my gosh. So I And you were 15. Yeah. And that's a very hard age. It is. And I was really struggling with substance abuse and the school already, like at 14. Wait, what were you doing at 14? I was drinking, doing mind altering drugs, acid, anything to escape. How did you get them? Just friends at school. Oh, so this school had acid. Oh yeah. Oh. And And I mean, lots of cigarettes and alcohol, like Did your parents know? Everything. No. No, I'm a really good master manipulator. <laughs> Perfect. I don't <laughs> know if we should be It's a very good quality friend. of mine. I take pride in it. So be careful. Yeah. No, I want to be my friend. Yeah. So a few months out, you know, I just... Wait, so this was... Mm-hmm. So you started... but So you started drinking and doing all the acid and weed and stuff just because 
Yeah, I, it wasn't. I was it curious. wasn't. You were curious, but then maybe, and then at fifteen, <clears throat> then it was. Then it got worse because your dad. Yes. Okay. And I, I think I was searching for the escape. Then became the escape. Like, hey, let's go to a party. Let's go get wasted. Like, I just wanted to get wasted every weekend. Yeah, because then you wouldn't have to deal with the fact that you no. are living with this person that you don't know and really I, who it is. And it, I didn't know what was going on. Like. It was a very unstable, strange, and I was getting into fights at school, actually, like fist fights, getting what? suspended. Yeah. Because you mean, were drunk? No. Or because people were just being assholes? Because well, I, yeah, I, I just was a very angry kid. Okay. Like it started to come out and I would yell at people. I'd bully. I mean, not proud of it. I was a really mean person, like punching girls in the face, sitting in the principal's office, getting suspended. Shut up. Getting arrested. Yeah. It was really nuts. So it just... I would never in a million years. But think yet that. here, here is my dad and my family trying to hold this whole fort down in the community. Oh my gosh, we're a great, well, you know, LDS family. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like you know, I, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't survive. I, I couldn't survive. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, I was falling apart. So, what did? How did your parents um, punish you, or like, how did? Oh, like, was it, was it like, they oh, just honey, didn't. don't do that? Again. Yeah. Okay. You know, oh, we're going to take your car keys away. Okay. I had four more keys made at the locksmith the other day. Like, okay. bye. Okay. Oh, and God. Then I crashed my brother's car Shit, when I you're was like, 15. You're like my worst nightmare as a child. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, I don't want my kids. I was 15 and put on my brother's baseball hat and drove to Taco Bell down the street and crashed it. I didn't have a driver's license. Yeah, but did you get Taco Bell? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> my favorite. I love Taco Bell. But I probably had some um, alcohol before I drove. And I started drinking in my room. I mean, I was making bongs. I was smoking cigarettes How out my window. Get- I would have been petrified that I would have been caught. I didn't care. Catch oh. me. Like that was my attitude. It was really bad. Wow. Disrespect. Because I just felt like you're going to disrespect me. Crush my world. I, I will show you how I'm going to disrespect you. I see. And it was like. That I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't do it now. I would be devastated well, right, if I disrespected right. them now. No, I, yeah. but it was this weird thing. I don't know. Picking, getting, I feel like maybe sometimes, and you can correct me because I am not an addiction specialist. I'm actually not a, even a life specialist. I'm just a person, <laughs> but, um, specialist. I'm a specialist of, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm really good at? Smelling bullshit. <laughs> I okay. can smell that yeah. a mile away. I can see it. Well, that's and a pretty I'm good out. specialty around I'm here. Out. Good. Yeah. We don't have time for um, that. We don't have time for that. That should be the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? So, um, oh, addiction. Maybe it's like a control thing. Like, hey, you know what? Like, I can't control my mm-hmm. crazy, like, this going on here and this going on here and this going, but this. Mm-hmm. I got this. Like, it's a control thing. Like, I can, can I know I'm going to get drunk and it's going to feel good. And I know how to self, like, it's like a self-soothing, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, you can control it until one day you just can't anymore. I see. Or you control it until you get a DUI or okay. you get an accident. And Okay, hold on. So you you were, okay, naughty. And then did it get naughtier as you grew up? Um, well, no, it was kind of interesting. So I went away to college for a few years, um, you know, tried to do the religious, you know, nice, good Christian thing and marry a good boy. And I got engaged twice to two of those guys. And it just, it just wasn't the life for me. I couldn't do it. And, um, so that's kind of trying to think about the timeline here. That's when I started struggling with my back. So what happened to your back? Well, I've had a few back surgeries because... Um, I just have a chronic degenerative disc. Oh, dang thing. it. Yeah. So um, it was in my early 20s, 2004. And I had um, actually, it started in 2003. And this is like 
you know, late teens, early twenties of drinking and partying and clubbing. I mean, LA every other weekend, you know, two or three Girl. nights all the time. I mean, I'm it, exhausted it was thinking about so this. fun. I'm sorry. It was really fun. I'm sure it was. You know <laughs> Vegas, what I wish? Like I... hop, skip into jumps to Vegas. Oh, so fun. See, I never did any of that. I loved it. I'm, I, I kind of want to go back and do it a little bit. You might have to, but I don't know if I'm the person to do it. With I anymore. don't know if I, I mean, I'm no, kind I'm of boring. All right. <laughs> right. But, okay. anyway, but anyway, so, um, so yeah, so I started having really bad back pain and, um, I blew my back out. It was my low back, like totally blew it out. It was no joke. I had like, they called it drop leg syndrome where my le- right leg is dragging. Yeah. My disc like came off and shredded my sciatic nerve in my right leg. So it was more pain than you can ever. Were you married at this time? Imagine. No, no. You were just, I was single. Hap- you yeah, were was still paying a, okay. Yeah. Single. I probably had like four or five boyfriends. Okay. I don't know. You but, were not in a committed relationship. Nope. Nope. No monogamy here. Okay. But yeah, so the pain was excruciating. So we went to see my first um, back surgeon and um, he was great. And he said, here, take these, take these. They'll relieve your pain until your surgery. And this was my real first experience with opiates. I mean, it wasn't really a big deal. No one talked about it then. And the doctors really weren't like, oh my gosh, this is a scary drug. Hey, take this. Here's a whole, whole giant bottle full of them and call me if you need more. So that's what happened over and over calling, calling. I was taking handfuls of these things. The the pain would not stop. I couldn't lay. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't walk. It was insane. And how many did you have to take before the pain would go away? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. I, well, at that time, the pain never went away. It was probably three months of chronic pain. I was a zombie. I would pace the house. I had to move in with my parents. I had a condo at the time. I had to move in with my parents. I could not function. I mean, I was I, I couldn't, I couldn't even live my life. I, I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping because it, the opo- the pain. Oh, because the pain and the opiates were okay, but I, I couldn't take enough of them. I mean, and this was kind of at the early stage. I didn't really know like what all of this stuff was doing to right, my body. Right. So I had the surgery okay. and I came home that night and I'm like, Oh my gosh, mom, I feel great. There was literally no pain. So I stopped taking the drugs. In the middle of the night, I feel like there were bugs crawling all over me. And that's your detox. And oh, because of all the no. meds I was taking, and nobody's, nobody told me, hey, Emily, you're going to start to wean down off that stuff and eventually get off. No, no one told me. So I just stopped taking it. And I, you know, my mom's like, you can't do that. So we slowly got off the meds and within so a few you would, you're saying, so that is a, one of the withdrawal symptoms <clears throat> is feeling like bugs are crawling all over you. Yeah. It's just your, I, I don't know necessarily like the scientific way of it, but it's just, your, all of your stuff, your body is extremely sensitive and your I muscles see. are rebuilding and sloughing off, um, all the opiates that are covering the, whatever the, I don't know, all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. I mean, I probably should know more, but I don't. No, it's fine. Um, so yeah. So you feel like you're, you know, like coming off of crack or something where, where I've never come off crack, but you're shaking and you're sweating and you're scratching at your skin and you can't get it all off. Yeah. It's really weird. Okay. So, I so had, then you take it because and you, wait, how you did lean you, off of it? Wait, how? Wait, but you didn't. So who told you that you? Well, my mom is really smart and she's really like scientific and medical oh, stuff. She so knew she's like, I want to move. We'll just take half right now. Oh, okay. like it wasn't where I was super addicted yet. Like it wasn't an, an emotional addiction for me yet. Okay, it I was see. just a physical thing. But I, I had see. no more pain, so I got off of it. So my back feels great. I'm partying. I'm living. I'm having a great time. And, um, I meet my husband. That's when Mm -hmm. Pat and I got Mm -hmm. engaged and we dated for four years. Um, and And through that time, were you struggling at all? Like you were just, just just partying, partying, you know, other fun party drugs, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, I don't. Well, you know, Coke and mushrooms. And I mean, I love drugs. (laughs) No, I'm not, there's no judgment here. Any kind of mind altering drugs to escape reality was for me. Okay. And then I never shot heroin. I never did meth or anything like that. 
there's no judgment. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, but yeah, all the other stuff. Like oh. you give me a handful of pills. I'll just take them without even asking. I would be so scared. Yeah. I see. I'm the like complete opposite. I'd be, I'm like the one who would like die from like <laughs> looking at them or something, you know? But yeah, it was a it, pills. I could control. I can control the outcome of pills. Like if I knew I was, it was gonna, a sure thing. Yeah. Alcohol. You never really know. Oh, it hits you. Oh shoot. I'm throwing up. I'm sick. I'm blacking out. Like I, I couldn't handle the alcohol effect. I liked the, the, the stable feeling of the pills. Okay. I know. So then I met my, I met Pat, my husband and we're, we're dating recording. It's fabulous. And then my back starts hurting again, same spot. And, um, I'm realizing, okay, this is not good. Oh no. <clears throat> so, um, we, uh, we're dating and he's two years in and he's off playing football in, te- in Texas. And I go in for my second back surgery where they go through the front and they replace two discs with titanium discs and a cage fusion in the bottom of my back. So prior to all of this, I was seeing a new doctor at UCLA and he was pretty tight with the pills. Um, so I had to really manage those. It wasn't like a big, strong flowing addiction yet. It was just managing the pain, okay. you know, until mm-hmm. surgery. Yeah. Well, after the recovery, it was huge. It was months and months and months of recovery, therapy, rehab, four days a week. I mean, the, the pain, the, it was excruciating. So the pills are flowing. And finally the doctor says, Hey, you need to go see a pain management doctor. Mm. And so that's like your next step. So after you leave your orthopedic, they say, Oh, we don't want to take care of you anymore. Really. You know, thanks for the surgery, but our work here is done, which is great. And here's the next phase, which is a pain management doctor, which would continue the prescriptions. Okay. That's what they do. Yeah. They just, okay. They just say, here's the pills or if you need steroid shots. And it, and for most people, they're great. But for people like me who I was seeking other stuff. Right. And more. Right. Um, it was bad. So, so yeah. So that happened and it started to really flow. Like so the pills every did day. Did your pain management nonstop. doctor give you too much or like too high of a dose? Nope. It, you just took more? Or just be- I just took it regularly. I see. And that's when it really started to become a problem in my life because um, opiates, they they work great until they don't mm. and they lose their potency. And so you have to take more or you have to take something else. Mm. So with the opiates, I started having anxiety, which I don't now because I'm clean. I'm not on that crap. You I know? see. So I went in for Xanax and then... Um, I, my muscles started spasming, you know, Oh, doctor, my muscle. Okay. So you go in for a soma. So now I've got, you know, three things and then doctor, I can't sleep. Oh, here, let me give you some Ambien. So I've got all these pills and on top of it, I'm drinking, I'm partying and it's like, Hey, you know, (laughs) don't you love me? Marry me, baby. You know, like I am a catch. I'm floating, (laughs) but Pat didn't really know everything. Mm. You don't really talk about all of that stuff. You you think, oh, I've got this under control for that for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, we got married and um, Okay, so he's it wasn't it wasn't that out of control. Like what did he ever bring it up to you? Um, I think by nature, I'm just a really fun, crazy kind of out of control person. So I think he just thought, oh, that's just her. That's just part of who mm-hmm. she is. Okay. It never really like shifted or changed or got worse or got better. It For him, it was all the same. Yeah. I okay. think he likes it too, that I'm a little nutty, mm-hmm. hence the Scorpio. But um, yeah. So, so you get married. We get married. And um, I actually really, um, marriage was hard for me. I didn't really want to be locked down. Like that's my type of nature. 
even as a little girl, I didn't want to fit into this box, you know, and this is what marriage was another box for me and I couldn't handle it. Um, so the first few months I just really rebelled and Mm. I was still going to Vegas and leaving my husband. Sorry, Pat. (laughs) Um, but you know, we decided for me, I was 30 and I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have kids. So we knew we had to get on it. Okay. So, um, I discussed with him that I needed to get clean before we got pregnant. So, um, I detoxed myself in the fall, but he didn't really know that you needed to detox. Well, he kind of knew I was on pills and he knew that I was seeing a doctor. Okay. um, But it was all because of the back. So it like made sense. Right. It's, you know, I had a prescription. I see. I had a prescription Mm -hmm. from a doctor. Right. So. So it must make it okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you told him, you're like, hey, I really want to have a baby and like, I think I need to detox from all this stuff. Yeah. I needed to clean out my body before it was a host for a little human. Okay, good. Well, that's (laughs) responsible. I try. I like it. So that happened. It took about two weeks and I just drank a ton and took tons of Xanax and, but at least I got off the opiates and then I got off the other stuff. So the opiates were really hard for me to get off of. Okay. And then once I was done with the opiates, I could get rid, get rid of the other stuff. And was that easy for you? Um, no, it's never easy. Okay. I mean, you're sick as a dog. Um, I had to lock myself in my room for a few days, just, excuse me, just get drunk just do anything I could for the feeling of shaking and sweating and throwing up and oh my gosh. Yeah. You're freezing cold. You're sweat. You're clammy. It's weird. Sounds like the flu. A little bit. Okay. It's like the flu and you're having allergy attack, an allergy attack. (laughs) Times a hundred. Oh my gosh. That sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So you locked yourself in your room and Pat was like, it's cool. Yeah. She's just locking herself. I think I made it seem a little bit easier than it was. I didn't want him to know that this was a serious thing for me. Okay. Um, and then we got pregnant like right away. Oh, yeah. So I was like, yay. Yay. So pregnant and it was the best time I ever felt. My body felt great. Cause you didn't do anything. I was clean. I, yeah, I didn't even drink for you. It was it was awesome. I mean, and I, and I really recognized how good my body felt and there wasn't a lot of pain, yeah. surprisingly. I see. Then I had a C-section because of my back and okay. they say, here, here's these pills for you to go home to. No, no, no. Take these. You'll feel so great. No, and I, no, no. And part of my brain was like, yes, I get to do it again. Okay. These are my best friends. Okay. How, how do you take care of a baby if you're huh. yeah. having on? Yeah. You, okay. You don't really... Well, yeah, I wasn't like super drooling high, but, but like, can you, I was like, are you out. breastfeeding? Mm-hmm. So does she, is she drinking opi- opioids? Yeah, I guess. Was she chill? <laughs> does it chill well, you? Do no. opioids chill you? She chill was you really difficult. She oh. would stop breathing. She had asthma. Wait, what? She was allergic to everything under the sun. She was colic and therefore I never slept. Oh my gosh. So I rolled into a really heavy postpartum depression. Holy crap. Did you have any help? Um, my mom came out for a few weeks and then Pat was straight back at work the next yeah, day. I know. You that know? was Jeremy too. And um, I just want to make sure this is like recording or something. Keep talking. Is it? Is it recording? Yeah, it is. I just, I, I, I'm like feeling like it's not um, as loud as it should be. Keep talking. So, um, so. Well, that there's, that's really loud. Is that better? Is it better for you? Kind of. Okay. I just, I want to, I got to, I got to, you can cut this out, Landon, but I got this like email from him that said my mic's 
something was wrong with my mic. So that's why I'm like paranoid. Oh, okay. You do sound louder. It sounds good. Okay. All right, go. So, so Naomi, you come home with Naomi. Uh-huh. You had a C-section. Obviously there's going to be pain with a C-section. They yeah. prescribe you opioids. Yeah. And, and we got the ball rolling again. Right. It was on. I, was, I couldn't get off the ride. It was like this Ferris wheel that just keeps going round and round. And at the, so then how do you, so then you go in for your what, 12 week checkup or whatever. And they're like, you still need pills. Well, so yeah, I, you know, my, and my OB was really great. I think he knew he's like, Em, you need to go see your pain management doctor. So I was like, okay, wow. So I had my guy out here. So I just kept going, but I was prescribed something for my depression, which was really helpful. Oh, good. Cause that, that's a whole nother show too. I know. Um, but as soon as I could get some more sleep, which wasn't for many years, maybe even still. I don't think I've sl- I slept a full <laughs> night until my youngest was five. Like, so like three weeks ago. Whoa. <laughs> hey, welcome to the party. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a new woman. <laughs> it is everything. Sleep, sleep is, is everything. hundred percent. Okay. But, so I was still, you know. So you found a way to get, ride. you found a way to keep getting yeah, the pills. And, and, and were then, you still drinking? Then yes. you went back to drinking. Oh, yes. And then and then I realized, wow, Xanax is really my friend as a mom. So I was taking Xanax bars. I actually would go down to Mexico with a friend and get them. And I was taking them. Who's taking care of Naomi when you're in Mexico? Um, I had a, I had a, a babysitter. Oh. Nanny. Yeah. She came. Well, I was losing. I actually met her at Mops. She was one of the gals in the kids' room at Mops. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Is she still work there? Uh-huh. I'll tell you about her later. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I had her and she was great. I mean, she was a mother of Aww. two. I mean, man, I really, I don't know what I would do without her. And I'm going to start mm. crying if I talk about her because okay. she's really great. But she and Naomi really connected. She oh. understood Naomi and Naomi's on the, the spectrum too. So she has sensory processing disorder. Okay. So everything was really sensitive to her mm. sound, noise, movement, food, everything. Yeah. And it still kind of is, but uh-huh. so that was hard to deal with. I was learning that too. But yeah, so that they're two and a half years apart. And, um, you know, we, we get to the point where you say, Hey, we want to have another baby. Okay. So I go through a detox again. I lock myself in my room and, um, I do the whole thing over again. And it, this time it was harder. I feel like each time was getting harder and harder and harder. Okay. And so I did it and we got pregnant with Lila right away. And, um, yeah, so that happened. And I was pregnant with her. And, and you had I another, great. But you had another C-section. I had another C-section. And they say, here you go. Go home with your best friends. And so Goodness I gracious. get pills. Okay. And and for me, it was it was actually like relieving because I thought, oh my gosh, you know, oh, this is so great. I know how they're going to make me feel. It's this very familiar feeling. It's like, you, it's like a comfort blanket. It's really strange. I can't quite describe it. Okay. Um, but it was like a breath of fresh air in a way, like, oh, I could do this with those things. I could, I could make it through with those pills. I could I do see. it. Anyway, so it's doing that thing. And it was really tough with two kids, especially um, with the stuff that was going on with Naomi and Pat works right. tons. And- well, I mean, just having a diagnosis, for, I mean, mm-hmm. and for your child, that's enough to throw you over the deep end, let alone yeah. dealing with the withdrawals and the, a newborn baby and a husband that travels all the time. And- yeah parents just, that you're it's just mommy life, yes. you know, and I totally disappeared. I became invisible to myself and I felt like everybody else, you know, you just kind of lose sight of who you are. So and, the nanny was t- basically raising Naomi and well, she just came on Mondays and Wednesdays from okay. nine to 12 in the morning. So it wasn't a long time, oh, okay. um, but it, it gave me a chance to do a few things I needed to do. Like go um, to Mexico <laughs> like that. Perfect. 
hey, at least you got someone to take <clears throat> care of your kids. She was safe. The kids were safe. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, but you know, the thing with pills too, is it's not um, like alcohol. You kind of, ha- there's like a, there's like a progression. Oh, you, you're you drinking, you feel the buzz. Oh, you're having a good time. And then you're drunk and it's like, Hey, party, party's over. Party's over. With the pills, you have to take and space them out regularly. So for me, I had to make sure if I had, you know, five or six a day, I'd take one every four to five hours and don't take too many, you know, when you have to drive or don't drink and drive. So I would do a lot of my stuff at night. Okay. So when the girls, I put the girls to bed and I'd be like, yes, I'd pour this giant glass of wine or vodka, take three opiates that I've saved and I'm super cranky because I'm coming off the, the opiate see. from one o'clock. Was this, bef- what, and was your husband home? Yeah, he's home. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know that you, I mean, not really. Yeah. I don't think he did. Yeah. No, I believe that. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent believe that. I don't think he like the whole extent of it all. And then I would take two somas and two ambient. I'd look at him and I'd say, I hope I wake up in the morning. Good night. And I would just like crash. Oh my gosh. So how was your marriage at this time? <clears throat> I don't think there was really a relationship. It was really bad. Yeah. I don't think you are. I don't, I, I couldn't, I'm, I'm in my, well, in my therapy, I'm learning, you can't actually have an authentic relationship with an addict. No, you can't. Because the addict is not in tune. Has she, they don't have the capability of having a relationship. That's right. When they're an addict. And nor do I think they want to. Right. Cause it's about the, I mean, there's times where I, Yeah. There's times I'd want to be close to people and I'd wonder why, why I couldn't have a close girlfriend, why my husband and I couldn't be close. But then I realized I I don't love myself. Why Mm. would anybody else want to love me? Mm. It's like, it's such a a grown up concept. It is a grown up concept. (sighs) Did you ever go to therapy through all this? Um, yeah, I did. I had a therapist and I threw the, all the opioids Uh and everything. And I had to like time it because I couldn't take my pill before my therapy. Holy shit. So So she did it after. No. No, no. And nobody really knew. I don't think my, my parents knew my siblings didn't know. None of my friends knew. None of my friends knew. Crazy. So at, wait, at mops, you were, you're telling me that you were high. Totally. Totally. (laughs) And it was way cool some days. I'm sure it was. That's right. I'm, I'm sure it was way more exciting um, some days when you were. It, It was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but yeah. And so then, you know, continue on like a timeline real quick. So it just kept going and going, going and going. And then a few years after that, um, three years, we got pregnant again. Did you detox? And then No. Get- okay. So I, it was early in pregnancy and I, my mom came up and I said, okay, mom, you need to watch the kids for a week. I'm going to go through a detox. So I did why I was early pregnant. It was really hard really gross. And I didn't fully hundred percent get off all of them. I was still taking like a half a pill a day or it was really, yeah. Anyway. So we were super excited. We're gonna have a third baby. And we found out it was a boy and we had a big party. And then I go in for my four and a half month ultrasound and there's no heartbeat. Yeah. And there's sweet little Lila sitting in her in her stroller and the doctor is swearing and swearing and swearing at the the ultrasound machine. And, And I just looked at him. I'm like, it's okay it's okay. And so I get in my car and I realize, you know what? Wait, so you're, so at four, right. So, so, um, Naomi would have been in school, Mm -hmm. preschool. You would have still had Lila at home with you. Mm -hmm. And so you were just going for a routine. Yeah. It was just, he wanted to see me. I was, it's the high risk pregnancy because you're older. I see. (laughs) And yeah, he, he has no explanation for it. They, 
they don't even understand. It, there was just no heartbeat. It just, he wasn't supposed to be here. I miscarried at three months and that mm. was horrific. It is. And Addie was sitting there in the room mm-hmm. and you were, and it was the one, it was, uh, it was, mm. it, I, I was like 14 weeks and we were going to, I don't know, we were talking about as a boy or girl, you know, yeah. you're talking about it with your little kid, your little daughter and, um, it was a ultrasound technician and they don't tell you anything, you know? Oh. And so she goes, you know, I'll be right back. I have to go get the doctor. I bet your heart just sank. I knew right away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I had had Addison. So I knew what we were looking for here. <laughs> like I knew. Yeah. And it was like, my womb was like black. <clears throat> there was no, you know how the, when the baby moves, it like There's changes that color. Space in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeremy was with me and he was like, no, it's fine. I'm like. It's not fine. No, it's not fine. I know you're the mama. And then they're like, okay, well, we're going to have the doctor call you. Like, okay. And like, like, no one's calling me. No one's calling me. Oh my goodness. So I'm calling the OB. I'm not getting hold of, like, will somebody just tell me? Wait, they sent you home? Yes. Not knowing Mm -hmm. with this feeling in your stomach, Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. I know. That's terrible. uh, That's terrible. That's another story. But, um, I can... I can, I can empathize. I can feel that Mm -hmm. that's like losing a, because I don't know, it's still my baby. I Mm -hmm. mean, for me, I wouldn't have been it right. Mm -hmm. If I would have had this baby, um, there's, but it's a loss. It is a loss. And there's, um, a a space that just kind of, um, doesn't ever fill. Yeah. It's, it's a weird it's weird. And unless you, unless you've miscarried us and you, you miscarried at a lot further along, there is, there is something really painful about that. Mm -hmm. That It is. And I just, I think that because all of that happened and right after that, the next day he said, we want to get you in for a procedure to get him out. So, so I had to go in and they put me under and they, they took him out. I had a DNC and it didn't, they didn't quote, get everything. So I had to go in for a second. And at this time in my life, we had had a giant slab leak in our house. So we had moved out. So we were living in a rental house in Laguna woods here at Laguna, Laguna Nago. And, um, so we had done that and I miscarry a baby and I'm having all these procedures. And so my body is just wrecked. hundred percent. So the second time they, they, they couldn't clean it out either. I guess there was some placenta that was stuck to the back of my C-section scar inside. So I had to go to a specialist and, you know, you're having all these procedures like physically, but emotionally and mentally, I am, I'm, I'm just numb. Like there's, there's no feeling I've compartmentalized it. I am far gone spaced out. I can't, yes, I, I, I would understand that. So this next procedure, they scraped me awake and the two nurses held me down and it was the worst experience of my life. And, but because I'm such a pro at escaping, I totally escaped. You just numbed out the whole time. I just numbed out. And I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And I just need to get this baby out. It, it, it was a very strange, it's almost like I, I was floating above my body. I was yeah. looking at you know myself. That's called, that's called disos- disassociation. disassociation. Yeah. I do that a lot. And so that's what was happening Mm -hmm. because I couldn't handle the extreme Mm -hmm. pain, that emotional pain that was happening. I, and there was no support. Like my husband's great and he's my husband, 
but there was no support family, friends. I was so locked away from everybody else. So isolated that there, there was no support. I was all alone. Right. So, you know, you go home to your rental house and your house is leaking and your husband's gone. And, and what do you do? Oh, you go find your best friends mm-hmm. and you go take your pills and you drink your wine and you drink your, your Tito's vodka. Cause it's, it's gluten-free. I mean, <laughs> And that's all, that is the only way that I knew how to cope. I had the worst coping mechanisms ever. And that's mm-hmm. what, I mean, that's a pattern you'll find too with addicts is I just didn't know how to cope with all of these stressors in my life. I think too, like, you know, like young, I mean, you started before there was even like major big problems to numb from. Yeah. Yeah. And so this was so familiar. I just go do that. I, oh, Hey, I'm just going to go. I'm feeling a little stressed. Mom's, mom's I'm going to go upstairs for a minute. And I just go find my pills and take care of it and stay home. I don't drive, you know, the kids are, I mean, it's terrible and it's shameful to even say that, but you know, the, the kids are home and they're safe. The door's locked, but listen, mommy, mommy's high. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> mama's, t- mama's hey, mom's feeling um, good. You know, I have to believe that this is a lot more prevalent than we think mm-hmm. it is. That's so true. Because so the fact that you're even saying this, and I know that it brings shame and all these awful feelings. Yeah. Um, but I'm so blessed by your vulnerability because someone else that you're not alone. Like this hap that this is very common. It is. And I, I can is, understand why. Because right. being, being a mom is not easy. And we hold the fort down and we have these perfect lives out here quote, perfect lives. I'm like, I don't know whose life you've been looking at. Um, I know it's hard. So, okay. And, so yeah. wait, so what was you like, you're clean and sober now. So like there yeah. was a breaking okay, point. Like, so how, so how, this what? was it. That was the point okay. that I, I totally fell off the wagon, like face first in the mud. I, I couldn't handle life. I was just isolating. I was using, it was really, really heavy and dramatic. So, um, a few months after that, I want to say about six months, um, there was a, an, I had a, I see it's kind of, there's a few, uh, there was a few things that happened, but Got I sought it. out a life coach. Cause I realized oh. my life is really in the shitter. Okay. So, um, it was a friend of ours and I went and I had a one day with him and we sat for four hours and we do values, goals, purpose. And honestly, all of those things didn't matter. I just wanted to go do drugs. Mm-hmm. And I, I was sitting there thinking, what am I doing here? Like I, I, I just, I want to get out of here. I don't care about my values or my beliefs. Are you kidding? Right. So I left and, um, a few days later, he called Pat and I, and he, um, he's a dear friend of ours. And he said, you know, Emily, I think, and I, I kind of disclosed to him that I was taking um, some medication and, mm. and, uh, he said, you know, Emily, I think you should really seek some help. Mm. And that, that was the first time in my mind I thought, oh my gosh, there's actually a place where I can go to get help. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I thought I was, it was like this silent battle in my home, in my, my jail cell, mm-hmm. in my house. I felt trapped. But it, that was the first moment where I thought, oh my gosh, there's actually a place where I can get help and I can, I don't have to do this anymore. You know, what's so crazy is we start off and it sounds very exciting and like super fun. And then it becomes like, and then you described it as a prison. It's like, yeah. it goes from like, so enticing to like, I can't get out. Well, yeah. And the, 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 the drugs weren't my problem. That's, that's my solution. It was what was inside. That's my right. problem. That's where I was broken is right. my soul was broken. I see. So, um, I realized, you know what? I am, I am so lonely. I could be in a room full of people and my husband could be the most generous, loving man. And I am so lonely. Mm. I was desperate to feel loved and 
just to be a better person. So I don't know who, which addict or alcoholic does this, but I actually went to the treatment facility and had a tour. I, <laughs> I mean, I made a reservation. I drove all the way out to Palm Springs. I went to the Betty Ford center and you said, um, I mean, this is, you're very I responsible. I toured. I wanted to make sure where I was sleeping, girl. <laughs> I wanted to make what sure we, I wasn't wearing orange. What are we serving for breakfast and lunch? <laughs> What's the food? How are my showers? Is it, a, oh my is it my own room? The campus is gorgeous there. It was a really beautiful, okay. wonderful place. And so, so if it was, if it was awful, you'd be like, I'm out. out. Peace. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So I went and I did that. And then, um, a week later I got, you know, I got all, all my affairs in order. We hired a full-time nanny okay. so Pat could still work. Um, and I told just a few people that this was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but I booked 30 days in the Betty Ford center. And a week later I got a one-way ticket, a one-way ride. You left. I left. After one week. After one week of all of that stuff happening. Yeah. It was, Why? It was May 15th. I knew this is, this was my one shot. This is the one shot I got. Oh no, no. You got, Oh, sorry. I hadn't been there yet. Okay. I hadn't I was been like, there yet. Wait, you came back. No, no. I didn't okay, leave. Okay. okay. So I went this to look, was I like, did a tour mm -hmm. and then I came home and I got all my affairs in order. And you said, I'm doing it. And I left. I took a one-way ticket and I'll never forget my driver that drove me there. Okay. I sat in the car for two hours and cried and smoked a whole pack of cigarettes. And the sweet, sweet man mm -hmm. held my hand. You, you can do it. Emily, you can do it. He wheeled my bag in for me <laughs> and he blew me a kiss and he said, I'll pray for you. <laughs> oh, honey. I know really kind, kind man. There's good people in this world. It's so, I mean, I know they're, they're, they're very far few and in between, but I think that he saw the desperation in my eyes that, I mean, he saw my kids wave to me at the front door and he saw my husband blow me a kiss. And then we got in the car and that was it. So I knew that this, this was it. This was my shot. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get sober. I'm going to be the best mom ever. I'm going to be the best wife. And it was a living nightmare there. I mean, the facility was great, but it was beautiful, but it was really hard. It was, um, a therapist there described it to me as you, you're festering down in hell in your addiction and you're, you're down there in this dark place and you're trapped and you literally have to climb out mm -hmm. hand, tooth, nail, all those things whatever, mm -hmm. to get out of your dungeon. And that's what it was. I was sick for three weeks. I lost 10 pounds. I had to have IVs. I was, I mean, the medication I was coming off of was so much, so much, but, um, is, so you got, but you got good therapy there. I, I mean, I would have to assume that's probably, I mean, <clears throat> the first time you've ever like, like sought help and mm -hmm. you were completely honest about it. Yes. I like everybody. I don't like, know if I was completely honest oh. even yet, but like people, but they knew mm -hmm. you were a drug addict. Oh yeah. And they sure treat you like one. Oh yeah. You're on lockdown. Okay. I mean, it's, it's not jail. It's not, you know, crazy, but it's, it's rehab. Yeah. We're going to rehab, but I made some really good friends and I realized, you know what? I am not the only person in the world going mm -hmm. through this. There's other women my age that are here that are, mm -hmm. are normal people. I mean, some of them weren't, some mm -hmm. of them were in soap operas and, you know, but, um, <laughs> I was just a normal mom there just looking to get healthy. So you were there for 30 days mm -hmm. and then how was that coming home? 30 days. Um, it was tough, but they taught you routine and schedule. And for me, I, you know, as a kind of a free spirit, I don't like routine and schedule. I always like steered away from it, but in recovery, I realized I thrive in it mm -hmm. and I need it. So they taught me a lot of stuff and that was one of the big ones. Um, and then they taught us about, you know, working a program 
And you know, the first thing you got to do is get out and find a sponsor, go to the meetings. So that's what I did. Have someone that holds you accountable. Yep. You can't hide. Nope. You have to report to them. You, they have to hear your voice every day. You meet with them. Okay. I mean, it's a lot. So I came home and it was really strange. It was difficult. I felt like, an, I, I mean, I was a fish out of water. I, my husband gave me a lot of space. He was really great. A lot of grace and forgiveness. I mean, we, we worked on stuff in our marriage too, he and I. Um, yeah. So that was oh, a big- th- at, at the Betty Ford Center? Mm-hmm. The, the last week there, they had a family week and he came out and we did some therapy and we talked to some therapists and he, you know, he could see the change in me because mm. I'm clean. I'm bright eyed. I'm not foggy and whining and antsy and, um, agitated all the time. And so, yeah. Um, but you're kind of changing the rules. Like when the addict gets sober, now you have to learn to live with the sober person. Yeah. You're like Pat, you know, like he would have to like learn how to live. Yeah. And, and we still are. Right. I mean, it's been a few years, but yeah. It, so did you, totally have different. you ever, um, relapsed? No. Oh, I mean, you make up your mind and you make it happen. Not, not today, at least. I know. Okay. I can't tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow. Well, I have a lot of faith <laughs> in you. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, no, for, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of willpower there. It sounds like yeah. you just want to be the one in charge of making the decisions for your life. Well, I mean, I, I clearly have a higher power because that's how I have to do it because I learned that I'm really not in control. If I think I am, I get all crazy in my head, mm. but I knew that, you know, my kids are little mm-hmm. and I, 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 I saw a lot of women in the Betty Ford center that had older kids and their kids had been taken from them or something happened. And that just broke my heart. Well, your kids fucking hate you. <laughs> if you don't show up, like, it, like for me, cause my parents were both addicts, like, like, like wow. why am I paying for your shit? Right. I'm still paying for it because you didn't get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You know, like what? And that's what I didn't want. Right. And and that's not your kid's story. No. Right. Your, your kids, their story isn't that their mom is a drug. They don't know that. Yeah. They don't know that. And that's beautiful. They might now if they hear this, but. Well, we'll, we'll give them a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I just, I, I didn't want that, um to, to be my story right then. I mean, I honestly can't tell you what's going to happen in the future, but for now in our family and our, my recovery, you know, there's no relapse and, um, yeah. And so I left the Betty Ford center and I realized, oh my gosh, I, I need a community. I need fellowship. So uh, I'm this strange person and I'm really getting to know me. I didn't mm-hmm. know who I was. Right. What do I like? You know, yeah. I, I like new things. Um, I'm feeling emotions. I, I was really angry and a lot of the anger, the pills numbed the anger. So in therapy, I I mean, I actually went face to face with a therapist, stood up like she was in my face. Like there was a lot of anger. I, there was another girl I I got after and they were really after me with my anger. So my one therapist like, Emily, maybe you should start boxing. So I started boxing in there and it helped. Good. But yeah. So you're, you're like learning who you are now. Like all these things that like, like, I feel like, um, for me too. I mean, and whether you've come from, cause you know, drug addiction as a child, like that's, tr- that's, tr- that's traumatic. Like you're not Extremely. developing, you're not developing the way that a typical child should develop when no. you're doing it's drugs. Very unstable. Right? So it's almost like you had to do that now mm-hmm. in your recovery. You, you're learning totally. what you like, what you don't like. You're being angry. Cause like when you were little, you couldn't be because yep. it wasn't safe. And now you, you have all these big feelings and you don't know how I, I remember. And it sounds really juvenile, but it's the no, truth. Well, it's, this is, it's crazy. This is real life, Emily. <laughs> hey girl. Hey. Um, no, this is real life. Like 
If yeah. you weren't, if you w- didn't have a safe, nurturing place to do these sorts of things, it will happen. It will come out. People, if you didn't like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that you went to therapy because there are so many people that just don't go to therapy and then they, then they have their midlife yeah. crisis and they think that they just, no, no, they really no. just don't know themselves and what they want. And they Absolutely. are the ones who are ruining their family now because they weren't Absolutely. in touch with who they are. Absolutely. And it, and it's also about, um, learning to live your life on life's terms because <sighs> life is just going to throw it at you. It's not easy. No, it's, it's, it's being ready for the next wave mm-hmm. cause it's coming. Yeah. And I needed to build up my, my toolbox. So mm-hmm. I knew that they told me you go to the meetings, you get a sponsor, you work a program and you get therapy. Okay. And that's what I needed to clean out my closet. I needed to be honest. I needed to be yeah. transparent, walk in the sunlight so everybody can see all the way through me. That was my goal uh-huh. because I was so um, mischievous and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I was such a liar, such a liar. So very, that's a, that's a trait of an addict. Yeah. yeah. So, so now that's, that's what I do. It'll, so you're living your life at, and you're, you know, you have a sponsor and I do. you have someone that do you have, do you, do you like meet friends and stuff? Yeah. And I have a few sponsees. So I'm a sponsor. <gasps> I know it's well, a really what? scary thing and it's super responsible and I feel like a big adult. Oh. I know, but it's such a gift. I mean, I didn't realize how much sponsoring somebody would, would bless me. Oh. It's really cool that I get to walk someone through the steps. I am like, yeah, because I can just, because you know exactly how they feel. I do. That's powerful. That's the power mm-hmm. in being vulnerable is you find people that you know exactly how they feel mm-hmm. and there's a connection that you can make with that. Yeah. And being vulnerable isn't about being weak. It's about being strong. hundred percent. It's, it's way more str- to walk the walk. Yeah, girl. Yeah. This is hard. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we don't have to do this. Nope. Brene Brown has been my big friend in all her books and my early recovery. She's rad. I really, really love how she talks about vulnerability. Me too. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, Dr. Laura did say one thing one time that what? I really liked. She, um, some girl was coming in and she's like, my dad just died and I haven't cried. And this, and I'm just trying to be strong. And she's like, what does strength have to do with crying? Oh, how, how, how mm. are you defining strength that if you don't cry, that you're strong? Cause that's crap. Like you, I, I agree with that. Like, like you, like if you're hurt, you should cry. That doesn't have anything to do with your strength. No. Like I, you have to feel sorry, the Dr. feel. Laura, I disagree with you. What yeah. do you mean? I, I, I agree. Strength is not about. No, th- she did say that. Oh yeah. No, Dr. I'm, Laura said that. I'm saying, sorry, Dr. Laura. I don't agree with Dr. Laura. I do you think that, wait, are we, am I misunderstanding yeah, you? Yeah. I'm saying that Dr. Laura told the girl that you not crying for your dad doesn't mean that you didn't love him or that, oh, that it's not strength. Right. That she's you're not, saying that. Okay. I feeling agree with the that. Feels and responding to the feeling Absolutely. is strength. And we as a society assume that if we don't cry, we're strong. Yes. But I think strength comes in so many different forms, but, but she's just saying you need to feel those feelings. Totally. And that's where I'm at mm-hmm. kind of like in my message is like, if you don't feel those feelings, they're going to get locked somewhere in your physical, but you have got to get the feelings out or that's where all these like chronic issues mm-hmm. physically come from or mm-hmm. come and are stemmed from their finding now and research and Absolutely. stuff. And so it's actually stronger and more beneficial to everybody around you and yourself to actually yep. feel the feel, feel the feel and then act as you know age appropriate and socially acceptable ways. <laughs> like don't go fucking 
I don't know. It's like crazy, but you know, I mean, it's important to, it to, and for me, you know, in my recovery from trauma, I'm learning that I didn't even know the words to describe the feelings. Yes. Well, that's a whole other you thing. You need to name it. It's yeah. super important to understand what you're feeling. Right. If it's fear, if it's sadness. So are you then able to, are you kind, do you kind of like therapy the girls or people? No. And I tell them I'm not their therapist. Okay. Um, I, it's their programs, you know, one, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 12, 12 steps. Okay. And, um, it's their program and they can do what they want with it. And I'm just here to guide them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you had people relapse, relapse? Um, not yet. Okay. But there are, you know, in, in a, a family life of recovery and, um, uh, you, you see the bad, you see the great, you see the amazing lives people lived, but you also see the really bad and the sadness and the struggle and the demon yes. that is inside of us, you know, um, not all of us, but most of us, some of us. Yeah. And you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm -hmm. And 100%. the most important thing is to clean out your closet, to get honest. And, um, in our, in the program, uh, I feel that a relapse usually starts a ways, a ways back before you actually physically pick up that drink or the drug. I see. Whether it's your spiritual program or you have resentments or there's something you, you're, you're not, you're working not working out. through, but I see. Mm -hmm. So you have to live a really clean, pure, healthy life. Physically, um, mentally, mm -hmm. emotionally, yeah, you got to do all the stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a package girl. It's a package deal. At least for me, it is. It's a so super big package. If there was somebody out there listening and like, they hear this, they're like, this is me, this is me. What would you say? Well, first of all, I would just say, number one, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. There's tons of women out there that are suffering or are healing. Yeah. Um, seek out a friend. A safe, out, a safe friend. A safe friend. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of gossip and judgment yeah. and talking about people and it's just not healthy. It's not okay. And it's not healthy. Not seek safe. out somebody that's safe yep. and, um, you know, just, just do the, for me, I would just do the next right thing. Do you know, you are speaking my language. Well, this is why we're <laughs> friends. So, um, when I, so we had taken in, um, my, my husband's nephew who was 10 for oh, a yeah. year, I remember. which is a whole other traumatic that event is, for my life. I do remember that year. Um, it was a, it was another hard year. Um, and I, you know, he very low performing, not because he intellectually couldn't perform, but because nobody had ever spent any time mm -hmm. with him, um, helping him to develop emotionally, yeah, you know, in, in education, you know, intellectually. Um, and I was all over the place. My husband's traveling. I have a three-year-old Bennett, you know, and my, yeah. I'm like my, my daughter's in first grade. Like I'm overwhelmed just being me. And I went to one of the school counselors and I was like, I don't know what to do for him. Like, I don't even know fourth wow. grade math. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm now supposed to like help this kid. I don't even know. She goes, you know, sometimes in the midst of stuff mm -hmm. and all of this stuff, you have to just do the next right thing. Mm -hmm. And she said, Jen, if that looks like, okay, get out of bed, brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. The next right thing is to make breakfast. Mm -hmm. The next right thing is to clean up breakfast. Step the next step. right thing, like we get so big and broad and it feels so crazy and unattainable, Future but that's, tripping. that's how I got through. That's how I got through mm -hmm. that year of my life. Mm -hmm. And then that's how I have gotten through the rest of the life. Like continue the I, process. That's how, the next but it's right a good thing, process. It, it helped me manage. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm. And then, have you seen Frozen 2? Uh-huh. Girl. Isn't there a song? The next right thing. Yes. Just do the next right thing. It is. That is <gasps> a new song. Oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about that. I was sitting there and I'm like, oh my, oh my gosh, Elsa and Anna. Amazing. They get me. Them. They get me. <laughs> <laughs> and she, that's her thing, but that's, I know, that's my... And yeah. life is hard. It might be addiction for you and it's something else for somebody else. It is. And it's something else for somebody else. So maybe your addiction, you know, we're talking about this in Bible study. It's like, well, if I wore my red letter, like if, you know, the A for adultery or- I'm not, an A girl, A for an addict. Well, there you go. But like, I, but I haven't committed adultery. I'm just saying that like, <laughs> if that was, if you wore your sin on your sleeve- What would it look like? What would it look like? Mm -hmm. And a lot, and other people's sins- are are easier to hide. Uh-huh. Doesn't make them not no. as terrible. But we all have a cross that we're bearing. A hundred percent. There's something we're carrying. And I just I try this has really given me a perspective on people and their lives. And it's given me um a lot of peace knowing that number one, I am not perfect. That here I am. I mean I'm an addict. Here I have a are. journey. I'm walking the journey, but I'm also trying to make my life better now. Yes. That's and all you can do. That's all I can do. You can't make, you can't change the past. Oh, that's Lion King. No, you can't change, change the past. <laughs> this morning I was listening to a motivational tape and um, I love Will Smith. Will Smith, I love you. Hashtag. Um, hashtag. But anyway, he says, there's no reason. He says, there's no, oh gosh, I might butcher this. There's no reason to have a plan B because it takes away from your plan A. Mm, love that. And this is my plan A. I'm just gonna, right. gonna keep walking. I'm gonna keep doing my my Do schedule. Right thing. And just I'm just gonna keep doing the next right that's thing. That's right. Because that's all I really know how to do right now. I'm still a baby in recovery. This is not like a huge, a huge many, many, many years. Um, um yeah, you I know, still feel young. I'm a I mean, I feel like if once you've learned it all, then you're you're dead. Who learns it all? I'm just saying, then you're dead. <laughs> like there's constant learning, like, and I want to always be teachable. That's really important for me in my program. Like I, I go to these meetings and some of them suck. Like some of the meetings are like, oh my gosh, I totally wasted an hour. <laughs> and others are like, this is everything. Yeah. This meeting is everything to me. And I just take what I can and I leave the rest there when I go. And I have I a great am day. Like, I am like so ridiculously excited for you because I believe like your energy, you just have, you have something very special about oh, you. Oh, thanks girl. I'm not even trying to like oh. butter you up. Like I'm serious. I That's think really nice that there's going to be some, cause you're beautiful and you're Thank smart you. and you're funny and you're kind. Like Thank that you. is, those are all character traits mm -hmm. that attract people and make them feel safe with you. Mm. And that's a really I'm safe. That's if a really rad. Help, safe. Yeah. Okay. I actually, so not only should, you know, I mean, I hope that that gave a lot of, and you know, maybe you aren't the addicts, but maybe you have a friend who is, mm -hmm. hopefully this could add some perspective or, um, you know, yeah. I don't know. So if anybody wanted to get in connect with you, how do they do that? Well, they call um, you five, 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 call five, me, five. Um, text, text me, no. grab me at school, say, Em, let's go for coffee. Or do you just have a sec to chat? No, um, no. Like what if they live in Wisconsin? Oh, um, do you have social media or social media. an email address or something? Um, yeah. Are but, you sure you want to say this? Maybe we'll add it in I the notes. Yeah. She needs we'll, to think about this. I'm going to think about it. But um, well, you can I, always email me, and I can relay yeah. the message. So jenblossom at gmail .com. Um, and actually, I could give my email. I'm okay doing an email. All right. 
Go ahead. Uh, it's a uh, Emily Halliday, H A L L A D A Halliday Halliday at me.com. So Emily Halliday at me.com. Send me an email. If you're looking for help or you don't know what to do, um, you don't know what the next step is. Send me an email and I'd love to. Yeah, chat. She's a nice person. She'll probably answer yeah. if not. And I'm telling you, recovery is like the best thing that's ever happened. It is a second chance. It is this amazing life I never thought I would ever have. And my relationship with my husband is on top of this world. Oh my, my girls gosh. see their mommy for who I really am, you know, um, and I get to help people. It's lovely. That's the best part. It's I get lovely. to help people. It's lovely. Well, Thanks, I love Jen. you. You're my I'm favorite. So grateful. I love this. I just could sit here all day. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and the fact that I get to talk to a mic, I legit feel like Mariah Carey every single time. And so I love it. <laughs> I'm in. All right. So, great. but if you have a story that mm. you want to share, and it doesn't have to be something crazy, but if you think that your story could add value to somebody, um, also email me um, because the whole purpose of this is to be vulnerable enough to create a community of people who all can yeah love on each other. And, and they're so easy to talk to. This is like the best hour ever. I get to sit and have a girlfriend talk. This is what I say. I go, <laughs> I could do... You're just, I mean, it, listen, if you're an a-hole, like I'm not in. And remember, I can smell bullshit, bullshit a mile away. Bullshit so smeller. if that's the case, no, thank you. But Don't. if you're ready to like be vulnerable and authentic and put yourself out yeah. there, because that is so freaking brave, yeah. I'm in. I got you. And we need to hear them. We need to hear yes. more real stories. I want to hear what's really going on with the women out there. Yeah. I don't need are this. You, are you chit-chatting with guys too or just women? I'm kind of just what doing women thoughts? right now. Um, You're just my, doing women right now? Right now. It's great. It's great. Good for you. Um, no, I I think I think I feel more comfortable speaking to women because I can relate with them mm -hmm. on a woman level. Sure. Um, it feels a little inauthentic, I think, if I'm asking a man – because I don't know. I'm not a man. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. We, so I'm just, just trying to – the women over here. Yeah, but you know, I could swing. We'll see. Ooh, we're swingers over here. <laughs> All right, thank thanks you, again. Jen. This Love is you. great. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yeah.